So I want to begin with an apology, but I know that's kind of not our brand because we're clerics. We don't need to apologize for anything, right? Never, never apologize. Right, exactly. However, I'm feeling clement today. So uh, I just need to apologize. If it's sounding a little echoey on my end, it's because my the room I'm in now is much smaller, <laughs> much smaller. And so because it's smaller, uh, echoes bounce into the microphone, I'm very sure. And so I need to get some stuff to, to dampen the sound. So just, just kind of keep that in mind as you're listening. I just imagine your secretary coming into your office and saying, Father Harrison, why have you built a pillow fort around your desk? Why did because you? Because pillow forts are awesome. Pillow forts are awesome, and ministry. That's that's all we have to say. Exactly, that's true. Here is something that I never thought I would say. Mm-hmm. There's too much sports on TV right now. There's too much sports on TV. Yeah, I didn't realize the sports came back. That's because you're lame. I am lame when it comes to that thing. Yeah, like sports are fun. So I've been trying to get into baseball this year a bit more, which has been great. I've been sort of following the Mariners. Uh, I decided to go with the most geographically proximate team rather than the Canadian team, who's not even playing in Canada this year anyways. They're playing in Buffalo. I mean, like Buffalo. Who who likes anything from Buffalo? But every day, this is this is it right now. Every day, there is baseball from the morning till late in the evening. There is basketball from morning till late in the evening. There is hockey from morning to late in the evening because especially for basketball and hockey, they're playing in bubble places. So they're only playing in a couple small locations. And so they just have to fit everyone in every day. And it's crazy. And it's really hard to stay on top of what's going on because I've actually gotten into basketball a lot too. I've actually been really enjoying watching Luka Doncic on the Mavericks. And it's been, he's, he's just a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so I've actually been finding myself more and more getting into basketball, which I never thought I would. So I always thought you're just throwing a ball into a circle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's too much sports. Like I can't keep up with it all. And it, 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 it becomes an easy time suck because you're just like, oh, I'll just sit down and watch a little bit of sports. But then the next game comes on. The next game. Then before you know it, you spent your whole day off watching basketball and then finishing off with a hockey game. I mean, that's not the worst way to spend your day off. No, but I feel guilty. That I don't know. I, I'm not good at taking rest sometimes. I, or at least I feel guilty with the type of rest I take. Gotcha. Yeah. Growing up, I listened uh, to a lot of uh, radio because that's what my dad would play with radio, either talk radio or sports radio. And I, I have to imagine if you've been in sports radio for the last five months that this has to be a relief, right? Because like, what, what were you talking about all that time? Like everyone has off seasons, but this was ridiculous. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure they're happy. Yeah, no, they are. They are. It's I mean, it's really cool. Like the fact that I can watch a major league sport at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's kind of fun. Kind of nice. Oh, right. Yeah. Because you're in weird Canadian time. We're in the best time zone. Just 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 accept it. Best? Mm, No. Yep. Central time is the best time zone. No one denies this. I do. Ridiculous. Um, but no, I mean, but it's also been fun. Like I was a little worried about how, how is it going? How are sports going to look without fans? There's something to spectatorship. Really there is that I think is, is almost integral to the whole aspect of sport. I haven't figured out why it's just an intuition, but I got to give, I got to give the leagues, especially the NHL and the NBA have helped, have done just a superb job. It's been a little bit harder with baseball because they're traveling around still because they're just in a regular season. So you've had a couple teams get exposed to COVID. But the NBA and NHL, they've had no issues. Players, they're all bubbled up together, essentially. And it's worked out great. And it's been a lot of fun to watch. 
my Canucks are in the playoffs, which is great. Although we're now tied with uh, the St. Louis Blues two two in the series. Well, by this time this drops, we'll be on the we'll be on game day for for game six. We just finished game four last night, so I thought it would not be the same. I mean, they kind of try to digitally or add or whatever uh, the the sounds of crowds sometimes, which works to an extent, but. It's been good. I have actually been pleasantly surprised at the level of competition, uh, the level of sports of sport going on. Really, it's been actually a lot of fun, and I never thought I'd be able to watch hockey in August, and it's been, so that's been nice too. Uh, are you done talking about boring things so I can talk about something cool? Um, oh right, did something happen this weekend? Right. Yeah. Introduce yeah, the podcast. Now okay. talk about something cool. Well, I guess. Well, I don't know. Do I want to? I mean, we have to do it eventually. Really? I mean. We, I could I could just not introduce the podcast for 60 minutes and we could just sit here. You've already sabotaged the podcast by talking about something that I have no interest in. <laughs> oh, now you know how I feel when you talk about wrestling. That's true, but at least I do it in an entertaining way. And I troll you with it. I mean, I made you bored, bored right? Yeah, very isn't, much so. Isn't, isn't that the best kind of troll? I don't know. Would you introduce the podcast already? Welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. So something happened this weekend. Yeah, something did happen. And it's been something that I have been waiting for for a long time. And something I was very, very excited for. And uh, and as the day approached, I got more and more nervous and excited. But it finally came. It finally happened. And I cannot tell you just how much joy the whole experience brought to me. Okay. This weekend, I played Dungeons & Dragons for the first time ever. <laughs> Are you really going to do this to your brother and now sister-in-law? I don't know what you're talking about. So uh, basically, <laughs> like, I should have been a Dungeons & Dragons guy, right? Let's let's face it. I'm a big nerd. My silence during your entire first part of the intro confirms that. Isn't it usually the opposite? Like, I'm the book guy. Right. But, I mean, there's different, different levels and kinds. We're all very complex human creatures. Okay. But, like, I played <laughs> video games all the time. I, I collected Dragon Ball Z cards, mm-hmm. right? That's a nerdy thing. I mean, of course, everyone did Pokemon cards, but everyone did that. Like, I should have been the guy who collected comic books, but I just never did because no one taught me. And I should have been the guy who played D&D, but it just okay. never happened. Mm-hmm. But finally, I was invited to one in real life. And I cannot tell you how much fun it was. We started playing at 8 o'clock at night. We were done at 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh. It was ridiculous. I've never been so excited. We're going to do it again this Sunday, and I am pumped. I am uh, a hill dwarf paladin. I'm Luigi Luigi the 74th. Uh, I come from a very noble line of uh, dwarven families, uh, a dwarven family, and I'm very excited about this. What level is your grease at? My level, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, this is a different kind of grease because normally I have the Italian grease, but now I'm getting yeah. like the nerd grease as well, okay. and uh, it's pretty extreme. Oh, so, I've had to take so from acne and sausage. Yes, so I've had to <laughs> phrasing. So I've had to like take several showers, but I'm excited to go back again. Well, I mean, no, I mean, I mean, with your D and D character, he's got to have like. You know, they all have different levels of things, right? They all have different powers with different strengths. True. Right? So, yeah. So, so Greece was not uh, one of the things I filled in on my character sheet. There were other things. Then you're not uh, really Italian. Luigi Luigi is, uh, is in this world a dwarven uh-huh. name okay. and not an Italian name. Oh, but, like, it's just my tribute to my culture. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, so that happened. And then, um, yeah, that was about it for the weekend. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I said the mass uh, for Nick and Riley's wedding, and that was cool. Um, but that was about it. Pretty calm. Now I'm going to hold you hostage. Because <laughs> everyone's okay. waiting to hear about this weekend. About what? About the I wedding. told you about the D&D. No, oh, about the, the wedding. wedding. There, was, yes. there was no wedding in the D&D thing. We, that wasn't part of our campaign. No, I'm talking about... Have have they told you not to talk about it? Talk about the D and D. I already did about the about the wedding. Oh, my brother's wedding. Producer Nick's yes. wedding to producer Riley. Yes, yes. I mean, what is there to say? They got married. That's. I mean, it was cool. See, this is what trolling actually is. Okay, I know. so I know. I'm not. So a good, I'm married. never going to be a good troll. So that's okay. Yes. I'm okay. okay so just... they got married. And it was genuinely the most wonderful thing ever. So we yeah. were at uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary on Polish Hill in Pittsburgh. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous church. There were like 14 priests there. We had family members and friends in the church. It's a big church that could hold a lot of people. And I have never seen a couple, um, and I'm biased. Let's say I'm biased. But like how confident they both were in what they were doing and how they were just taking everything in. Right. Uh, they were just excited to be married. Uh, like their love for the Eucharist shown through. Um, I thought I couldn't start the mass because I was crying at the beginning. I think more than Nick or Riley. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it we it was the fanciest uh, mass I have offered in a long time. We had all these priests. We had one priest who was there in choir as well. Yeah. Um, we did Ad Orientum. We did all of the smoke. They have this amazing um, ambo that's like kind of in the middle of the church, like yeah, that I wraps see, around I one of the I pillars. I see you preaching, right? Uh, and it was just, it was just wonderful. And to see how much they loved each other and how happy we were getting married, it was great. And then uh, the whole party, the whole shindig was great. We ended up having it in my uh, parents' backyard. Uh, nice. My mom does uh, restaurant stuff, so she had her catering company kind of come in, and it was, it was amazing. How it many pierogi cool did too. you have? Uh, they were not pierogi. There were there were ravioli. Okay. Uh, so there was that because so you know, second class pier- yeah. pierogi. Yeah. Well, don't do this. Uh, and so <laughs> Riley is Italian now, and we're all very excited for that. Yes. And um, it's cool. It's cool because um, I mean, I love Riley. She's wonderful. Now she's my sister. Anything that an engaged couple has had to gone through to get married this summer is just terrible. Yeah. And now they don't have to worry about that because they're married. That's right. So I uh, obviously I I was invited, but obviously couldn't be there because of this darn pandemic, yeah. which which was sad. But um, it was I prayed morning prayer during their vows for them, which was I think oh. you know this is like that was one of the neat things about the streaming thing. I'm like yeah, yeah this is really cool. And I was just yeah I was like man they're just first the wedding started on time. Yeah, this you never won't. ever happens ever. Ever, 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 ever. Well, ever. who was in charge of the liturgy? Mm. Nick. I mean, t- he's the one who performed the sacrament. I was in charge of the liturgy. Let's be perfectly clear. <laughs> uh, but no, like that. Like, but they just were so calm and confident and at peace that mm-hmm. you don't often see at a wedding. Yeah, I find it was just a delight to see. Just even, even through. A, computer screen it was just such a delight to see uh and i'm just well and i guess we could say now like really riley's really a part of the clerically speaking family now well yeah the the vows make her part of the family (laughs) 
You see, because you okay. and I share priesthood. Right? Yes. We share the, 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 the ministerial priesthood together, which makes us really one priest, really. And then, mm-hmm. so obviously, I share your brother as, as, and so really, Riley's part of the family now. Yes, she she we share in the priesthood. She shares in the sharapahood. Um, both are very important. Yes, so, but now she shares in the clerically speakinghood. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's 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 do some tweets in the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. So the Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas's summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica was our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. So the first up comes from Emily at uh, EmilyCath319. She says this. It's, it's, a, it's a two-parter. I'm a laywoman, and I consider myself intelligent-ish. But lately, I've been questioning if there is a limit to how much theological reading I should do. I've seen people who seem to know too much and lose faith or, in pride, not admit certain theological work is beyond their own capacities to the point of harm. But is the response to the glut of armchair theologians simply chucking the desire to learn out the window in favor of a simplistic faith? Does this reject God-given talents, natural love of reading and learning, etc.? Where's the line? And I thought this is a very good question and something I've been um, something I've been pondering about a lot lately. That there is there's a lot of people out there who claim to know the faith and to claim to speak for the church even when they don't. <laughs> um, and and there's a lot of people who who for a variety of reasons, like again, it's not wrong to learn about the faith or to but like I think her her question, recognizing the limits of one's own ability to learn is a very important point. But there is, like, this is why the church is a body. There are theologians, right? There's going to be theologians. But guess what? Not everyone has to be a theologian. And there is, there is maybe a, because everything is so accessible, we think that because it's accessible as something to learn, I ought to learn it. But like so, for example, I'm not expecting the average layperson to pick up Bouyer and Balthazar and Ratzinger and stuff like this, just because other people do. That's not in the realm or scope, I think, of the average layperson to have to do. It's not saying they can't, but I think like the question becomes like like where where what is really needed to know your faith? Do you need to study theology? And I would actually say no, you don't. You don't have to study theology. Study the catechism, which is the fruit of theological work and the fruit of theological conversation and the fruit of, of processes to ensure that it's always in line with the, the teachings of the church. Um, learn the scriptures. And most importantly, always keep your spiritual life formation first at mind in mind. Because the problem becomes like when we're starting to, to kind of learn on our own to become autodidacts, we can 
um, we can forget to check ourselves spiritually to see, is this actually of me or is this of the church? And we start to set ourselves up as our own authority, which is not a very Catholic thing. So I guess what I'm just trying to say is like, it's okay to not have to be a theologian. You don't need to study the intricacies of the, the debates around Arianism. But you do need to say that Jesus is fully son of God and fully son of man. You do need to say that. And it's not, and we ought to always want to go deeper because we want to know the one we love the most. But that doesn't mean we all have to study the the most academic theologians to do that. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, you definitely don't have to be an academic to be a saint. Uh, but on depending on how you define a theologian, I would say, yeah, you should be a theologian. Uh I think okay. the problem is not about is not about the learning or the studying. It's it's about humility. And first mm-hmm. of all, this is all a big mess because of the lack of catechesis that we've had right. recently. And which is not to say this is the only age where there's been a lack of catechesis. There have been many ages. It's right? like a perpetual problem, really. Right. It's a perpetual problem. But what makes it different in this age is that there is so much information that's readily available. So with the internet, with social media, with all these things, there's a lot of information available. And so the lack of catechesis, which is, a, you know, to be honest, a perennial problem in the history of the church, if you look at it, mm-hmm. like nearly every, you know, you know, Trent and these other councils, they all try to address this sort of thing. Um, it becomes a, a different kind of problem. Uh, and so what is, what's needed is, is this kind of humility. But it's, it's tough because when the church kind of, drops the ball, then other people will pick it up. And that's when we get into kind of a big mess. Because I've seen a lot of people who genuinely want to learn more about the church, and then they don't don't realize that, okay, let's say you're angry about things in the church. You can be angry about a lot of things right now. There are plenty of things to be angry about. You find someone who is also angry about those things. Well, that's a very validating kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And then they start talking about things like the rosary, and that's good. They're teaching you how to pray the rosary. Delightful. Or the spirituality or the history of it. Very good. Mm-hmm. Good. So now this person has earned your trust. So if they go off the deep end about something, there's a good chance you're going to follow them off the deep end. And that is that is a major problem I see in a lot of online circles. That's I... the slow descent into crazy land. Okay, I'm going to say something mildly spicy. Okay. The principal job of teacher belongs to the bishop and his cooperators, right? Well, that's not even spicy. That's just... that's Well, no, that's... I mean, well, that's not the spicy part. Okay. Spicy part is the fact that... Has that been happening? Um, uh, Not as much as I would like. Right. Exactly, right? And I think that's the spicy part. I'm not trying to... And again, I, I don't... And I don't think it's like an ill-intended thing, per se. No. But one of the... One of the roles of a bishop especially is to be a teacher mm-hmm. that that is actually one of their principal jobs not to be a manager um while that governance absolutely is one of his roles it's not the only role and so uh he, he needs to teach and he needs to encourage his priests to teach as well yes very much so right and so it's our job as priests to teach even like the homily is not a place of teaching per se but teaching ought to always be incorporated into it somehow yeah. Right. So that like one of the things I'd like to offer, especially maybe once COVID's over, is like a monthly, a monthly kind of recollection where you can we can learn about one of the aspects of our faith. And also it's like I mean, like and this is where I'm also like I wish in some ways there were 
we could start having um, the imprimaturs on books again more 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 often because then it can tell someone, do what this is worth reading. This is safe sure. to read, right? Uh, because I think that's part of the problem. We don't know what to discern. Like, well, this person seems reasonable in this, but are they reasonable in all things? And we don't know, like, is this in accord and does it build up the communion of the church? These are all things that we need to be kind of always. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree that all those things are good safeguards, but you know what's a safeguard that I really believe is available to everyone is prayer. Yeah. And this is like real genuine time in prayer. Like if you are genuinely seeking the truth of God, if you are genu genuinely seeking conversion, then I feel like God's going to support you in that in some way. Now, that's mm. a difficult thing in, in a certain sense that do we need to be taught how to pray? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do. Uh, but also you need to just pray. I think that's a thing that's missing. And then my other frustration is, is that there is so much good stuff out there mm -hmm. and readily available. Um, there are a lot of good organizations that um, teach very well. Um, and yeah, I would definitely like to see parishes do more of this. I know that I should do more mm -hmm. of this as well. Um, and it's easy to be caught up in all the other things that happen in a parish. And so if your parish doesn't realize that its main purpose is the glory of God, of evangelization, of, of becoming a saint, then it's going to get locked down in all these other things that are nice on some level important but not what's essential i think too this brings up a whole other conversation what is the nature and mission of a parish right it's because yeah and there is and like again like there's a bit of a discussion about this yesterday on twitter around like um about how parishes function it's like well the parish is bigger than just the building it's in right when you're mm -hmm. when 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 the when the the family is going out every friday night to hand out sandwiches to the poor that's a work of the parish it's yeah. not organized by the priest or anything, but it's still work of the parish. And so we, yeah, so there's this like, we need to kind of break out of that so that the priests can focus on what is their real job, which is governance. Yes, they, they have to kind of govern their parish, um, the sacraments and prayer and teaching so that we can offer more opportunities to teach the faithful so that they can go out and be Christ's body to the world. But and so like I think that stuff can happen too. I think I think there I think there's I think that's part of the reason why there's been a lot of kind of online stuff which can easily distract and call and then we we can go down these rabbit holes and think this is something that can I oh I think I this is something that interests me or whatever. But because they're going to these places because the, the parishes aren't offering it. Yeah, but, but I definitely want I just want to reject the idea that you can know too much. Right. You certainly don't need to be an academic, but you can learn as much about the faith as you want to. And on some level, you should want to know more about the faith. Right. right? No, no, I agree. Like I, I agree said, with that. You might not I, be. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying this in general. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing yeah, with you. Yeah. Um, like you might not want to know about you might not want to read uh, Balthazar's four volume set on uh, whatever he writes about. But like you should want to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ. And mm -hmm. if all you have is scriptures, prayers and a parish like that should be good. Yes. Exactly. Uh, what, what happens is. People think they're looking for knowledge, but they're not. Yes. They're looking for um, validation of their more base desires. That's, That's right. what you see in a lot of uh, Catholic commentators on the internet. They are looking to bring the brokenness of the world that they've grown up in if they can smuggle that into the church. And it's not a conscious thing. Right. I think there's a reason why you see uh, so many uh, commentators uh, on the internet using the same kind of rhetoric and tools that you see in like political talk shows. 
Um, because that's where the money is at. It's yeah. not about learning. And you can make yourself think that you're learning a whole bunch. Yeah. But if you're not attentive to your person, if you don't have self-knowledge, if you're not willing to be humble, and like there are things that are difficult in learning about the church. Like if you learn about the history of even the good councils and you realize, oh, wow, even good people did messy things to get the right doctrine. Like it's it's that can be a very difficult thing to handle. I remember when I was studying uh, Christology and I had to learn about all of the um, – uh, craziness that happened with um, uh, different understandings of who Jesus Christ was. Mm -hmm. It was a very difficult moment in my faith because what was being put into question was the very person that I was trying to base my entire life on, Jesus Christ. Right. And there were indeed times I had to put down the books and just go to the chapel and just <laughs> look at the tabernacle and say, I don't know what's true, but I know you're true. Right. And that's all I got right now. Right. So there's a crucifixion process that happens in deeper study and deeper knowledge, but you have to be willing to go through that process and have a humility to say, I don't know the answer to this question right now. It's okay that I don't know the answer to this question right now. Um, and that's also like the same thing with philosophy. A little bit of learning is, is sometimes more dangerous. There's like, there's like a curve. Like you can learn a little bit and good. Then you learn a little bit more and you start to freak out. Then you have to go and learn even more to calm down again. Right. Uh, and that that sort of process can happen in theology as well. Absolutely. But I think we just need to be really more um, honest about where our hearts are. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people who claim to be teaching about the faith, that's not what their concern is. It's just not. And it's if you take a step back, if you look at the fruits of some of the things these people have been doing, if you look at who's following them and what they're saying, if you take a step back and look at it all, it becomes super obvious who they are and what they're really doing. Right. And you don't want to be a part of that kind of thing. No, no, exactly. And I think, yeah, so I think it's just about saying we should always want to know more about our beloved, which is who is Christ himself, right? Yes. But it does there are, but there are limits, like, but it's okay to have, say, like, yeah, there are limits to what I can know, like, in terms of, like, or at least the level I can know. And that's okay, too. I'm not, I don't expect everyone to go out and read the Summa Tweedledum. Uh, the Summa, the Summa everyone needs to listen to the Summa Tweedledum. That's to it, basically yes. not, catechism, our Summa segment, right. basically the same thing. But not everyone has to listen or to read to the Summa. Uh, my gosh, I always get it mixed up in my brain now. Uh, the, <laughs> no one has, has to go out and read the Summa Theologica. That's not for everyone, and that's okay. But it's okay to read St. Francis de Sales' Introduction to Devout Life. It's okay to read the... Um, the compendium to the catechism or a commentary on the catechism or scriptural commentaries, which t can be more accessible. Like we should want, yeah, we shouldn't want to turn off the brain, but it's okay to also say there are limits to the level I can know. And that's okay too. Yes. Yeah. Cool. What do you Good. got? What do you got? Okay. Let's go back to our old friend, uh, SD Catholic at, uh, no, uh, look at this graph at SD Catholic as a side note, clerically speaking helps promote vocations. Okay. He tweets that, if I were me earlier today, I would simply not go all day without praying. And I love this tweet for several reasons. One, very good, normal, healthy vulnerability and honesty. Because whomst among us has not looked back on our day and seen the moments where we have avoided prayer and then been like, that was bad. I, can, I should I, have prayed. I can name five from today. Right? Exactly. <laughs> or like, this will happen... You know, it, whenever I'm tempted to go off my like prayer schedule, it's like, man, I, I'm, I've been staying up too late. I should really get some rest. So I'll move my holy hour to later in the day. That is a dangerous game for me personally to, to play yeah. because a lot of times that will mess up the whole prayer thing. Um, but also, I think it's important to not despair too much because that can be the other temptation. Okay, you've screwed up. You did not pray when you were supposed to. You saw those moments in the day where you avoided prayer. 
Um, you know what the Lord wants? The Lord wants you to try again. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yep. Because the, the what will happen very often when we realize that we've done something wrong over avoided prayer, that uh, the enemy will attack us, we will attack ourselves, and we'll just beat ourselves up and like crazy thoughts, conscious or unconscious, like sneak into our brains, into our hearts. And we'll be like, you know what? I don't even deserve to pray or I shouldn't even pray until I go to confession. No, 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 no. The Lord is not surprised that you did not pray, right? Our sinfulness, our lack of prayer, this is not surprise the Lord. This is not scandalize him. He is aware of our weakness. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't make, it doesn't make those things okay, but... Uh, what does God want? He wants you to pray then. Yeah. And so maybe it's 11 o'clock at night. You're not going to do your holy hour maybe because you need to wake up. But like say a little prayer and then go back to your plan the next day. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to do. Yeah. And even in those moments of failure, you can learn something from it. You can look back and be like, oh, that's why I skipped it. Or that's what I was worried about. I didn't bring that to the Lord. Yeah. Like the Lord will even bring good out of your failed prayer. Right. So relax and just try again. So like, yeah, one tip I've been kind of, th- I always try to live out. I, I fail at it myself too, but I, I'm always trying to say, what is, what is the most important thing in my life? And to make my choices based on that. So if God's the most important thing in my life, then the first thing I'm going to do every day is I'm going to seek him out in prayer. Not, does this mean I do it every day? No, uh, but I'm trying to grow in that and to try and say, hey, I want to, I want to do that. Or like, hey, there are times where it's like, where I failed in that. And I'm like, or like, because like things kind of got busy right away in the morning. Um, I kind of put off morning prayer and then I realized, oh, it's one o'clock and I haven't done morning prayer yet. Yeah. And trust me, a lot of priests, this happens to us. Trust me. This is not, uh, this is a little peek behind the curtain. This happens to most mm-hmm. priests, but it's, it's not, it's not intentional. It's just like, oh wait, it's, it's one. I haven't done morning prayer today. Um, what I often do, I say, okay, I screwed up, but I'm going to pray it because I promised to pray it for the church. Um, and I mean, I bring it to confession too, obviously. Um, but you just try not to do that too often, right? But it's like, okay, like I, this is my thing. Like, don't beat yourself up. It was what you're trying to say too, right? It's like, don't beat yourself yes. up. It's 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 not helpful. It's not helpful. It doesn't like what good what good does beating yourself up do? Like, why would you punch yourself in the face? What good does this do, right? Yes, it doesn't. It does nobody any good. So, um, same thing with beating yourself up, kind of spiritually, to say to say, yeah, what? Like in a way, when we beat ourselves up, that's actually pride. It very much because, so is pride. Yeah, it's pride because it's saying, it actually, it depends all on me. Yeah. It's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it depends on his grace. So, yeah. um, you know, just, it's, it's about saying, no, oh, what is my, and so like, it's about like when you wake up in the day, what's the most important thing for me to do right now? Well, I need to pray first because God's the most important thing in my life. So make your, your most important choices, your first choices of the day. And then you don't feel so guilty. And it actually starts to set up a pattern so that you're going to be more willing and open to pray throughout the day as well because you've chosen him first. This takes time. Mm -hmm. It probably, for most people, it takes years sometimes to get this all right. So it's all good. Just take your time, repent, and move on. Speaking of moving on. Oh, okay. You You got nothing else to say. Well, actually, this this is actually yeah. This, I was this, giving okay. you a setup. <laughs> okay. Well, no, this is a good little topic to bring into our presbyteral exhortations around habits. And now it is time for presbyteral exhortations. Oh yes, yes. quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the best part. Yes, yes, quite. Yes, quite. You may be surprised to hear this, 
I'm reading a kind of sort of self-help book. You, Father Harrison, are reading a self-help book. Yeah. I have uh, several questions. Okay. Uh, who who is worthy enough to help you? Um, the you, guy. You are a cleric. Are you? Why would you need help? Are you not already perfect? Uh, nope, not at all. Not even close. Okay. Um, another question. Uh, self help books. I thought I thought you didn't like self help books. I thought that was very anti Christian. For I you I, I kind of don't like them, but I'll kind of get into that here in a second. But yeah. fascinating. Yes. Um, okay, so I, I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast. One thing I've been, um, I, I'm in the process of kind of getting like an ADHD diagnosis, which is still in process. Like I'm waiting for a psych assessment so that I can get maybe some meds to help me focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, I've been trying to learn tools and tips to help me kind of get on the right track. So I found this website or this YouTube channel called um, How to ADHD, which has been giving me multiple tips on things to help at least curtail some of the negative side effects of, of ADHD. It, it is tough. Like, um, it's there are days where you're just like hyper focused. And then like, I remember Sunday night, I'm sitting in my chair. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm suddenly very awake. And I read for like three hours straight. No problem. While yesterday, I tried to sit down for five minutes to read and I couldn't. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a pain in the butt. It's a real pain in the butt. So um, I bring all this up because so I've been looking into some tools and trip tips to help work with this. Like bullet journaling has been something I've been trying to habituate myself with a bit more because it's kind of like organized chaos, which is perfect for me and some other things. And, and I mean, the reason I want to work on this stuff, it's like, yes, I, this is there, but it I and, and there are some real benefits with ADHD. We can really hyper focus when things are when there's a lot of pressure and we can do things really quickly. Um, which is nice, but it's really tough to live life like that every day where you're always mm-hmm. doing things at the last minute. It gets tiring. Yeah. And you realize you can do a better job if you actually put the time into things. So, um, but one of the, so one of the books that was kind of recommended to me is a small book called Atomic Habits. And I'm forgetting the author's name right now. So I've been reading this book. Like, so what I want to do is like, the book is is not what I really want to talk about. I don't want to really, actually, I don't really want to talk so much about habits as I want to talk about some of the points, one of the points or some of the, a theme, I should say, that this book has brought to my mind that actually the Christian tradition has always spoken towards. Have you, well, I guess, have you, have you read any books like on this stuff, like on how to build better habits or anything like that? Uh, no, I mean, some of the, um, cognitive therapy stuff that I did earlier on in seminary, I think touched on some of that. Uh, but no, it's not something I've like ever okay. read about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, so this book, Atomic Habits, it, it's a very simple premise. It's the idea that if you make small changes slowly, you'll make big changes over time. Which, when I first read that, I'm like, that's how I give out my spiritual advice and spiritual direction, right? It's like, hmm. right, which is always, I've always had this principle, like, if you're going to curtail a bad habit in your life, you're not going to do it by... Um, running like the analogy I always use is running a marathon. You don't train for running a marathon by running a marathon. Right. You run a few blocks. Right. And then over time you build up the endurance so that you can run a marathon, but that takes a few years usually to really get up to the endurance level to do a full marathon. So it's the same. Like, so if that's the case with like more mundane things like a marathon, why would this not be with, with virtue and grace as well? Like, or to, yeah. to uh, habituate ourselves towards grace better. Um, so the sin that you're struggling with, it's not going to go away right away. You repent of it. You don't want to do it again, but you probably will, right? This is just the, okay. you, we notice as confessors. <laughs> You'll be yeah. back next week and I'll be there to absolve you, right? Mm-hmm. 
right? So, um, so this is that's kind of the principle of the book is this idea of 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 doing this. And I, I think I've always accepted that on a spiritual level, but I've been very hesitant towards that on a human level in some areas, especially knowing how to address uh, some of these kind of bad habits in my life or lack of habits. So as I was reading this book, though, it got and like part of why I don't like it is because some of it is kind of like very kind of like the book actually used the phrase once one time. Well, if you do these things, you'll become the best version of yourself. And I literally wanted to barf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. I don't well, I can't stand that phrase for a variety of reasons. So, I mean, but actually one person I think I remember saying on Twitter saying like the, the thing with these things as Christians is we take what is good out of them and just throw out the rest. Yeah. And, and I thought that's a, Good way. So I'm, I've I've opened my heart a little bit more towards these practical books, where I just like, Ugh, this is a little too Pelagian. Like it's a little too much. I can I can just fix things myself. However, it's trying to just expose you to proper human behaviors and habits. So the book has been very helpful so far in that regard. But where it's been getting very interesting, and this is where I think there's actually a real connection to the the spiritual tradition, is where he's been beginning to talk a lot about thoughts, right? So he okay. talks about like, you know, if someone wants to quit smoking uh, or he, or sorry, he uses actually maybe a better example would be that if, if you want, when you have to get out of bed, instead of saying, I have to get out of bed, say, I want to get out of bed. And it seems kind of superficial almost to say that, especially if you're not a morning person, <laughs> it's like, yeah. I can want all I want. I still ain't getting out of bed. Um, <laughs> um but it brought up a very interesting point because essentially what he's trying to do in this book now is see he's saying part of the way we change our habits, get rid of the bad ones and open ourselves to, to the good ones is by changing our mindset, which become, means becoming aware of our thoughts around our desires and our feelings. And I thought to myself, whoa, this is actually very interesting. He's actually got a he's very close to the Christian tradition on this. And I thought I'd talk, I mean, I think I've talked a little bit about this in our Cedia podcast, but this is where it got to me like that in the Christian tradition, thoughts matter. Yeah. Right. And he recognizes this and he says, like, we need to be aware of our thoughts. So I thought that it could be interesting to kind of bring that, that idea that comes from more of the self-help genre of, of being aware of our thoughts, but to bring it into conversation with the Christian tradition. Are you aware of this, of this idea, like of how to gain control over our thoughts and why that matters? Uh, I mean, this is a different way of framing it, I think. Um, no, let's just say no. Okay. Well, there's actually a quote. So St. Paul says in Romans 12, 21, take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, like, just think of that for a second. Does he say, like, some thoughts? Does he say one thought here, one thought there? He says, bring all thoughts to make them obedient to Christ. That's a pretty strong phrase. Yeah, I think it's going to freak out uh, people who have scruples. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. I th I'm sure it will. Um, so in the desert tradition, in the, the tradition of the desert fathers, who I, know you, who I know you love, they had this kind of principle, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we talked about this on the CDO one too. It's this idea that thoughts lead to feelings, lead to desires. And so for the desert fathers, uh, the, the battle against temptation it first starts in our thoughts. That is what gives rise to feelings, which gives rise to desires. And so if we want uh, feelings that will lead to good desires, we need to, uh, we need to kind of encompass our life with good thoughts. And if we want to, and if we're, if we're struggling with a sin, it means that a bad thought has kind of gained dominion over us. 
And it, now it's, this might seem a little simplistic, but I think there's a lot of truth here between like what, what this guy's saying, Atomic Habits, and what the Desert Fathers are saying, that our thoughts actually matter in the spiritual life. Now, it doesn't mean, not just like maybe to help the people with the scruples, just because you had like, I don't know, like an impure thought jump in your mind and then chase it away right away. That does not, that's not a sin, right? Right. Right. It's, it, it becomes a problem when you dwell on it. Right. When you when you intentionally become aware of the fact that you're dwelling on it is maybe a better way to put it, because sometimes we dwell on thoughts, not realizing we're dwelling on them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it gets a little complicated. But if you if you actually analyze your experience a bit, you're just like, oh, wait, no, I give in to this maybe a lot that like so we like like when we were talking about the prayer thing. Um, beating ourselves up spiritually. Oh, I'm such a horrible Catholic because I don't pray enough or whatever. Well, we're giving into a thought that forms our identity as Christians. That isn't helpful. And so the Desert Fathers say we need to hold, taking this, this verse from St. Paul, taking it seriously, that we need to hold every thought captive. So what this means then is that we need to, like the, the analogy I always like to use is, is that, um, is that of like kind of, is like it, our thoughts are like seeds and our soul is like the soil. And so it, our soil, the soil of our soul is always having all these, these seeds being thrown at us. And the bad ones can gain root just as easily as the good ones. We might even have a tendency to want the bad ones more than the good ones. Um, yeah. Right? And so it's our job as Christians to become more aware of our thoughts, to not let the bad seeds gain root in our soul. Because when they do they start to they start to um, arouse the feelings which arouses negative desires towards sin and so like so for example if you're in the midst of a, of a hard temptation where you're kind of really feeling it and everything you've probably actually it's it's probably too late you've probably already given it like the idea for the desert fathers is the best place to fight the easiest place for victory is with the thoughts do you have any mm -hmm. do you have any uh comments yeah i'm I'm concerned about a yeah. lot of the way people are going to hear these things. right um because uh, um when you're having the thoughts and then you're having the feelings and then you you don't want to say it's too late because for a sin to be a sin there's an act of the will and yeah you're stacking right. the deck against yourself but it doesn't mean you don't have a choice right so just to have that out there yeah yeah no i'm just i'm just saying like i guess what i'm just saying with that is that yeah you're make you are, like you said you're just making it harder to resist the temptation Right. Um, but then like other thoughts can creep in. Like the more sometimes when you know that principle, then you almost <laughs> you think to yourself, Well, I mean, the deck's already stacked against me, might as well just do whatever and get it over with. And that and that's a very dangerous thing to uh, happen in your brain as well. Yeah. Um and also just like, okay, yes, it, I think uh, this is coming down to self knowledge. Yeah. Right? Because um, I don't think Saint Paul is saying Take every one of your thoughts every second of the day and bring it to God. I'm afraid people are going to hear that. No, that's crazy, not that's not right? what he means. Yeah, right. Okay, um, this is more about uh, just examining your yourself, uh, and I think it's important to also recognize that certain thoughts have been, we've been thinking them for not just moments but for years and decades, and we may not even be aware of them. Exactly. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you you meet a lot of people, you counsel a lot of people who have uh, very like such deep thoughts of self-loathing that they might not even be aware of it. Right. Right. Uh, so something will happen, like just like getting up uh, in the morning uh, and you don't 
you're not a morning person and you stay in bed and you stay in bed so long it ruins your day. Um, part of that might not come just from like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to get up. Part of that might might come from something deeper that you don't feel like you deserve to wake up. Right. Uh, so some of these or things are a family like, of origin yeah. issue. Maybe you had a parent who yeah. was always tired. And so you just kind of mimic that for life that you just, yeah, it becomes like an identity thing. Right. So there's like those like deeper, more long-term things. And there are like just more momentary things. Like, uh, for example, um, people are talking about somebody else. They're gossiping and you're in the conversation. And the temptation to gossip gossip creeps up. The first thing that usually happens is like, oh, I have something to say. Mm -hmm. And then you start thinking about like, oh, this is really good information. They're really going to like this. And as soon as you start doing that, then it's when the, the pleasure of you being approved, of people laughing at your story, and then more and more it gets more difficult. So there's those momentary things. Uh, and just being aware of that at the beginning and being like, I need to maybe just physically leave the conversation or uh, think of something else to say, or what really will often break that up is say something nice about the person because everybody will feel awkward after you do that. Mm -hmm. And then the conversation will usually just end. Uh, so those are those two different aspects. Like there's, I think it's very deep long-term things that mm -hmm. are more difficult to deal with. And then, and then these littler ones that are more manageable in the moment. Yeah. I think like, yeah, this is not like we have to be like, it's not about becoming like neurotic about our thoughts. It's more about saying that, to become more aware of them so that when we're in prayer, when we're doing an examination of conscience, for example, um, we can, um, we can start to be like honest, like what was, what was the, what was behind that desire when I did that? And I think it's really important to do that in prayer. Yes. And this is where you can go beyond the self-help book. Yes. Uh, because yeah, on some natural level, can we examine ourselves and uh, learn about ourselves? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but scripture tells us that the human heart is very, very tricky and it's unbeknownst even to ourselves. And so making an examine, like a spiritual one, uh, is so much more effective. And so let's go back to the thing about uh, not wanting to wake up in the morning. There's a part of you that that loves sleeping in mm -hmm. and loves being a slug person. Yep. And it's important to acknowledge that. Like you might think, oh, I wish I just woke up and started my day. Okay, sure, that's there. But what also is there is that you love being a slug person. Exactly. Okay? Uh, and so when you go to prayer and start examining those things, it's like, all right, Lord, what do I, what is my deepest desire? <laughs> my deepest desire isn't really to be a slug person. Like I know here in prayer, that's where I want to be. I want to serve you and to love you. So on the deepest level, I want to wake up when my alarm goes off in the morning. Yeah. And there is something about just acknowledging that and putting that on the forefront, realizing both the the temptation and your own desire to be a slug person and the deeper, more fundamental uh, desire to um, live out the Lord's will during the day. Uh, even just like putting those next to each other and seeing that, I have found is a very helpful thing to do. That's right. So yeah, exactly. And that's why I think like, even like one of the things the atomic habit books brings out is like the idea that our habits are often formed by our, our, our identity. Right. So, you know, I, like I'll give you an example of one thing where I know I need to work on a lot in my life is I, I hate exercise. I find it boring. I find it lame, <laughs> um, but I need to get in shape because, or let me rephrase it. I need to reshape myself. <laughs> yes. You need to become a different shape. Yes, exactly. I need to become more rectangular. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but he says, like, 
it's not like I have to go exercise, but like I'm someone who exercises, right? Is kind of the idea that you keep on saying this to yourself to change your habit. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And I think, and I think that actually can have some correlations to the Christian life with the idea of getting aware of our thoughts. It's like, well, why don't I really want to do this? Okay, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to actually ask the Lord this in prayer. I'm going to actually examine my heart with him. With him is the key. Um, and that's why we do it in prayer. It's really something done with Jesus. It's not some, It's not a neurotic self-analysis or psychoanalysis of all of our thoughts and desires. So that when I go into my prayer, when I say, when the temptation is, don't want, don't go for a walk, watch, watch the hockey game, mm-hmm. right? We could say to ourselves, wait, why is that thought, why do I find that thought attractive? Or what am I going to do with that thought? And to say, no, I'm someone who exercises, so therefore I'm going to go for a walk first and listen to the hockey game or something like that. And then... And, and so on and so forth. So I think there's some really helpful stuff with like, I think that's where maybe the self-help stuff can actually be helpful even for the Christian. Um, Question. Yes. But are you lying? You see what I'm asking? Yes, I, I see what you're asking. Um, so like, let's say, uh, I'll do uh, myself. Let's see. Um, I am, uh, if uh, I would like to read more books instead of playing video games. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm a person who reads uh, books in the evening. The truth is that I am not that person. Right. But that's the whole point of that is to become that person, right? And I, I'll be, because like, I guess, I guess why I find it helpful is like the idea is not to say that you're that person yet, but it, that it, it motivates you to want to do the action to become that kind of person. Do you think it's yeah, and like I totally get that motivation that yeah. makes sense to my brain. Yeah. Uh, do you think it works as well if you're like I'm going to be that person now, or that's the person I've chosen to be? I think it helps if you do one thing at a time. Right. If you're going to say this is the thing I'm going to work on in my life right now, and so yeah. that's what I'm going to do. Um, like I'll, I'll actually I'll give you an example. Like on Sunday night, I was really tired after all my masses and everything. I was like I don't want to do anything. I was like I need to eat healthy. I don't want to be a healthy. I want to be healthier. So I made a healthy dinner it's yeah. that, because like that's, that is a bit like there is, there is something beneficial to this stuff. I, again, we have to be careful because it can really lead to a neurotic self vision where we're all we're doing is seeing things through our eyes and trying to build up ourselves. But I want to, but why do I want to do this? Not because I'm a horrible person or anything like that. It's because I want to be a priest who can serve his people with full energy and love. Yeah. And I can't I can't always do that. So um, because I recognize I get sluggish because I'm not in shape. So so anyways, but what I'm trying to get at with this is this idea like but I think some of the times like the best place to start out if we want to try to get better at a virtue or a habit in the Christian life, it's to start to become aware of your thoughts. Because that's where the Desert Fathers really say is is the place to start the battle. Let's say, like, let's say, let's say you're trying to work on a sin that you're struggling with. And this is where it becomes very helpful to become aware of your thoughts. And like, I've done this a lot, especially with young men who are struggling with, you know, sexual addiction stuff and everything like that. Uh, um, this is a prayer that I always kind of gave them when we, once we'd start working at things. I say, I want you to pray this prayer a hundred times a day. And, and whenever you have any thoughts about this, this temptation, and as it's like, it's, what I kind of call like a shield prayer. And it's like a three-step thing. I say, whenever a thought like this comes into your mind, and it could be something meaningless, like, oh, look at that girl over there. It would be, Lord Jesus, enter into this temptation. 
remove from me the desire to lust or whatever it is. And then you say a prayer for the person who you're tempted against. And then when we do this, we're becoming more aware of the thoughts that drive our actions. So that, and you become aware how often and persistent those thoughts can be. I've had guys tell me like, Father, I had to pray the shield prayer 500 times today. Man, I uh, see. I so, okay. I'm not sure. If, well, okay, uh, okay. I, 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 I wish yeah, you hadn't picked. I wish you hadn't picked this example. Okay. I think with uh, <laughs> uh, sexual temptation, it's different. It is different. Um, yes. And so, like, um, well, I, was, I think the reason I use that example is it's the one where I've used it most with guys. But I, let me let me finish the point first, then. Okay. Because we're we're already in it. So, no. But the reason I'm saying that is like, but but here's the thing. A lot of those guys, they started off there. But they came to the point where maybe they, that thought hit them half a dozen times a day because they became aware of their thoughts and their desires and their feelings that they started to make choices around their thoughts to change their habits around their thoughts. So they, so you see a real place of progress. I mean, this is not the only one. I'm just saying this is the one where I've just used it a lot with guys or with people in yeah. spiritual direction. So it's something I'm very familiar with and helping bring them along with that. Okay. What do you have to say? Yeah, so what bothers me about that is like, I'm not denying that that can be a useful tool. Okay. Uh, but like I get worried up about people who employ that kind of tool by themselves without seeing a spiritual director. Because right. I can very easily see the person driving themselves crazy and not dealing with either deeper wounds in their lives uh, because of either something that's happened sexually or mm -hmm. whatever and think that just through cognitive skills they can make this go away. But that's why, I'm, think, that's why I said I did this in spiritual direction. Right, exactly. But like, I, I, there's all kinds of people who listen. I want to make sure that like that part's clear, right? I'm not disagreeing with the thing itself, but like, yeah. And I'm not saying like this happened with everyone. I'm just saying like I'm just trying to show right. it that you don't. I don't think we're. I guess the point I'm trying to make is I don't think we're aware how often our thoughts gain hold of us, including sure. these negative ones from the evil one, to try to dissuade us from our ultimate identity in that we are sons and daughters of God, and that that's really our identity. And any any thought that undermines that is not of God. Mm -hmm. And we give into those thoughts so easily. And they actually formed so many of our habits and choices in life because we haven't been taught to be aware of our thoughts and we haven't been taught to be reflective about our thoughts. Like actually, we've been taught to pretty much ignore our thoughts. Sure. Right? I think at least I think because either ignore or obsess. Like it's, yeah, there's yeah. not we have not learned how to be normal toward our thoughts. Yeah, that's maybe sure. that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, we haven't been. Yes, because there is obsession about it too. And I, and I know some people who listen to this struggle with obsession over thoughts. So I recognize that this might not make someone feel comfortable. I'm not. I guess what I'm trying to say is more like, look at your thoughts through your real identity, which is that you are a son and daughter of God. And if that thought really is like if. Like, let's, I don't know, let's say you have a thought that I'm not a good person and no one loves me, which is a thought I know a lot of people struggle with. Sure. Yeah. Is that serve your ultimate identity as a son or daughter of the father? No, it doesn't. So then what are you going to do when that thought comes your way? Because this is where mind and feeling and thoughts all come together. Like our reason and everything comes into play. Objectively, I know that this is not true even though obviously I'm going to have all sorts of feelings and obsessions that might undermine that. But to say then, when this thought comes my way again, that I'm not worthy of love, I'm going to say, Jesus, enter into this temptation. Remove from me the idea that I'm not loved. 
And then in this case, I'd actually say, say a prayer for yourself and saying, God, help me to know your love for me. Yeah. And this is something where like uh, in people in conversations and people have directed and, and so forth, um, that is when I'll make people tell themselves that God loves them. Yes. And they'll be like, I don't, I don't feel that. I'm like, I don't care if you don't feel it. <laughs> Trust me. I actually care. It's a very, it's a horrible thing to have to go through, but the point is, is it's true. Yeah. So even if you don't feel it, even if it feels very dry and you have to say it over and over again, that's a very helpful first step. And that's something that I've, I've seen, um, experienced in my own life as being effective, but also, uh, in others. Well, no, exactly. I've had some people say to me, like, I don't want to say that. I'm like, why? Because I don't believe it. Yeah. I'm like, aha, you see? Mm -hmm. And that's a thought that you need to become more aware of and to battle with. Because, and this, yeah. again, this gets into what we were talking about last week when we were talking about distractions. This, get, this gets into the problem of identity, but to remember, like, Christ is there in all this. trying. He, he wants you to engage this because he wants to purify you. Mm -hmm. And he's actually there, suffering this all with and through you. So that he's there with This is why St. Paul, again, in Romans 12, 21, saying, hold every thought captive. In other words, when thoughts attack our identity as Christians, whether it be thoughts that undermine our habits, that just help us to live a good and normal life, or thoughts around identity— or thoughts around sin and temptation, that's when we be in prayer, and maybe sometimes even with the need of a spiritual direction, we bring these things to God and say, God, all right, let's let's battle this out and let's purif let, like, purify this so that I can become more uh, a deeper vessel of your love towards others. Mm -hmm. And God wants to do that work. So now I say all this, but recognizing like sometimes, even if we no matter how much work we've done, sometimes we're still going to be tempted against this because we're fallen human creatures and we all have desires that go deep and they might never leave us. And that's okay. The key thing is Jesus wants to say, I'm there with you in this so that you cannot, so that you don't have to give into this. Right. And it, yeah, that temptation might not, it may or may not leave you. Who knows? I, I'm not, I'm not a prophet. I don't. I don't have a, a glass into the. I don't have a looking glass into the future. But again, it, it gets to what we were talking about. I think yeah, last week again, right? My th my th three times I asked the Lord to remove this thorn from me. It's it's this idea that sometimes to trust that Jesus is with you in that, and to not give in, and to say I choose Jesus in this, mm -hmm. and that's how you're going to experience His love for you in a deep way too. And I say all that too because like sometimes we can fall into, and this is where I I, I hesitate with the self helpery stuff because it makes it sound like you can always fix everything. Right. And that's that's always I think been my big issue with it. It's like, no, you can't. We are wounded human beings, we are fallen creatures. None of us are going to be perfect in this life. And we need to learn to accept that. Yeah. I mean, uh yes, I, I agree with, with that. Okay. Um also acknowledging that like, yeah, you can sin less in this life. Yes. Like you can you can avoid mortal sin in this life, you know? Yeah. Um not that not all temptations always have the same strength to them. Um like even on like a very human level. Uh you know, once you build up a habit of working out, you begin to like working out and it becomes easier. Right. Now you can you can always drop that habit, maybe because of circumstances or something else. And it might be difficult to, you know, to build it back up again. But that's not to say that like um, I think it's more in particular circumstances that um, St. Paul said, you know, I was given a thorn in my side, not I was given like 40 thorns in my side. Yeah, exactly. I, I think in the spiritual life, there usually is that one thing yep. that we struggle with in a particular way, but that doesn't mean that we struggle with all things 
with the same intensity all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I guess in the end, I'm just trying to say like, it's okay. Like actually there's a great book on this called uh, thoughts matter by Margaret Funk, I believe. Um, great little book that helps you that takes this desert father tradition to help us become more aware of our thoughts, to work through them so that we can see God's purifying love in all this. So that might be a good little recommendation for this. Atomic Habits is also very good. I've been really enjoying it, so I do recommend that as well. But just, you know, in your prayer, it's like if, but I guess in the end, I'd just say this. What is the one thing you want to work on right now in your spiritual life? Is it more prayer, being more charitable, having more patience? Um, Whatever it is, we all have, there's, hopefully we all want to grow in something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, start in your examination of conscience every night. That's when you can bring up these questions around the thoughts. Okay. I, oh, I wasn't patient there. Why not? Well, I think that person is kind of a jerk. So I don't give them as much time. Aha. Mm-hmm. So there's the thought you need to kind of deal with. And then you'll, and then here's the beautiful thing. Once you become aware of these thoughts, you become more aware of them when the, when the situation arises again. And that gives you the ability to make the right choice in the moment around your thought to say, actually, uh, I, I struggle with this person, but they're still a child of God. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that means I'm going to treat them with more patience and love because Christ is really present in them. Okay, I'm not going to be impatient now. I'm just going to listen. Suddenly, because you've become more aware of your thought, your actions change. And so that's where like the self-help stuff and the desert fathers kind of come together in a nice way. And I think it's very helpful for us to start to move forward in our spiritual lives. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, Find us on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and everywhere else. Please leave a review. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. You can find me on Twitter at Fr Harrison. You can find me playing Dungeons and Dragons again. Uh, you can find the podcast at ClericalPod on Twitter. Email us, clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. Uh, and we will see you all next week. God bless. Peace.